Welcome to Dragon Talk! Yay! Dragon Talk. Oh, wow. The, like, Zoom just popped up and it said playing music. Oh. What? Did, it, did it think my applause was musical? It is. It's very musical. You're just like uh, singing Hall and Oates songs. I do feel like my general aura today is singing. Because it's fake spring outside, mm-hmm. and we have two really fun guests to talk to today. We do indeed for this official Dungeons & Dragons podcast. Yes, that's right. Musical that is- podcast mm-hmm. uh, in which, yeah, we're talking to Kelly Lynn D'Angelo, Dungeon Master, sometimes Dungeon Master of, uh, of Girls Gets Glory, as well as player uh, and prolific writer. In many different mediums, honestly, yes. but in TV and musicals. Uh, and we got Mark Humes uh, from High Rollers, Knights of Even Star, and just all around great, awesome person. Totally. Um, talking about their adventures in Candlekeep Mysteries. Fun. I can't wait. I can't I wait Rumble. either. Um, for those of you who don't know who we are, I'm Greg Tito. That's okay. Shelly Mazzanoble. I'm. I, mean, I honestly, like, it. five years, six years of doing this, I feel like I'm getting worse. <laughs> that I'm just like, no need to mention the name of the podcast or who the hosts are or that you should subscribe to this. Like, no, just, I just get excited to see your face and I start talking. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's exactly what is the best part about my week, Shelly Maznoble. Oh, Getting to really chat fun D&D stuff with you and talk to amazing people and tell everyone that they should subscribe to our channel uh, as well as follow along, uh, you know, and write reviews, get the word out about Dragon Talk. We don't often have that in the intro here, but it is something that is always important. Uh, Yes. If you want to get more people listening to your podcast, uh, I'm told that this is what you do. You, Uh, you, You make entreaties. So that is important. You know what? Also, subscribing to this podcast means you don't have to go look for it. It just comes to you. And I love usually Wednesdays and Thursdays is when all my podcasts get uploaded. And I love getting those push notifications because it's just new, fresh content for me to enjoy. So don't don't go looking for us. Just let us come to you. Right? Push it real good. Push notifications. Musical version of Dragon Talk. Yeah, nice. Yeah. But that song, that has to play under the credits or during a fight scene, though. Okay, shall I? <laughs> we are very excited, uh, as we've said, for our amazing guests. Talking Candlekeep Mysteries. That is coming out on March 16th. It is chock full of so cool. adventures. 17, to be exact, of... Short, one-shot, easy to play. Uh, tons of writers contributed to them. Uh, and it is a real mixed bag of different genres and stories, uh, as well as uh, uh, amazing uh, voices uh, being heard and told, NPCs, monsters, all this great stuff. Um, and a little bit of mystery. You kind of have to figure out what's going on in each one of them. Yeah, and lots of different levels. There is something for everyone in here. Yeah, not to mention some detail around Candlekeep itself, which is a uh, legendary, 
Library Fortress, and mm-hmm. we love libraries very much. We'll get to talk to them a little bit in our interview, uh, but why don't I just give a shout out to the idea of libraries? Why not? Libraries are great places, and they exist for you. Yeah. Support uh, your local library. There are many of the places where people discover Dungeons & Dragons and their love of fantasy and their love of reading and knowledge. I myself remember going to the library simply because that's where the D&D books were. I didn't have any at home, uh, or at least the uh, specific ones I like to look at, like you know, deities and demigods and whatnot that were in the library. So I would just go in and just hope beyond hope that they were not checked out and I could go read them for an hour or two in the library. I also remember, because I was a very avid reader, I would read several books a day. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom was, and I'd read them over and over again because my mom just could not keep me stocked in, in books fast enough. And finally she was like, I have an idea. You should go to a library. And uh, I just remember the feeling of like anything in here I can take with me. Like it's just such a novel, weird concept to not have to like use your allowance money or beg your mom to take you to Kmart to buy more books. Um, <laughs> I could just buy, go get whatever books I wanted and check them out and leave with them and then come back the next day and get all new ones. So I always have a warm, fuzzy feeling for libraries and, and all the great work that they do and librarians. Shout out to that amazing, potentially accidental pun that you made where you're like, what a novel idea. Oh, that wasn't accidental. <laughs> Actually, it totally was, but I'm gonna, I was going to try to take credit. Yeah, no, that was totally yeah, deliberate. Shit. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, libraries. Um, you know what else is great? What? Horror. Horror. Yeah. Ravens. Scary. Slasher films. Zombie apocalypse. Headless horsemen. Gothic monsters. Scarecrows. Mist. Puppets. You win. Ghosts. (laughs) Come on, creepy dolls. Creep! Oh, damn it! Creepy dolls that steal your body, your soul. <laughs> Momos, <laughs> and internet hoaxes. Bagmen. I said bagmen. 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 <laughs> You'll find out more about gremlins. all of these amazing topics and more in Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. Yeah. What? That comes what? out. What? May okay. 18th, you'll be able to sink your vampire teeth into it. Um, so many wonderful domains of dread are detailed. More than 30 are described and mentioned, including their dark lords and what their shtick is all about. There's different genres for each one of these uh, domains of dread, as well as tons of information about uh, how to create your own domain and include horror in your D&D games. Even a little bit or a lot. It's kind of up to you. You can turn that dial as uh, low or high as as you and your party are comfortable with. But do not be af- afraid <gasps> to add a little horror spice to your games. This isn't just like an all or nothing thing. There are plenty of elements in this book that you can just pluck out, drop into whatever campaign you're already running and just just add a little extra flavor to it it's it's very versatile and i am so excited i have been kind of uh dropping little hints to lots of different people to try to get them to run a a game for me 
because I really just want to be a player in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I'm like sometimes. Yeah. You want to play in a horror campaign? <laughs> in a horror game? With some creepy singing from a child <laughs> in the background? That's actually, I think, a saw. I'm not actually even sure what's happening oh, God. at first. Saw? Uh, Was it saw two or saw four? I, there's definitely some creepiness happening in the basement right now. Um, <laughs> but I want to be Hexblood. I want to be a haggy little Haggerson. I've always I, loved Haggersons. I've always loved hags. I do. And um, I want dark gifts. I want all the strings attached to them. I, want I just some dark want to chocolate be chocolate gifts. Oh, I'll take whatever. Dark dark gifs. <laughs> dark gifs as well. <laughs> they they're animated and they they dance and play with you. Uh, I know it, it oh, looks so, so much, much fun. Uh, that's not my genre of a choice for like the passive entertainment that I play but I think I really want to like you you know experiment with getting into uh that type of play around the table because I think that's you know it'd be a safe place and there's again all these tools to make sure it feels like everyone is on on board with uh the content and yeah get some creepiness going get some adrenaline pumping yeah definitely I think I, I think I might have a dungeon master on the hook but uh, we'll see someone I live with Quinn is going to do it, isn't he? He He's loves he Pennywise. He loves Pennywise. He loves Goosebumps. He was really into Scooby Doo. So yeah, well, right and that's, I love that you mentioned too because you're right. You can dial it down as far as Goosebumps or Scooby Doo as as, as as far as terror goes, or you can go the full on, you know, body horror and all these kinds of uh, genres uh, that you know have been around in R-rated movies for years. So it's uh, a, a big gamut as well as so many different flavors of uh you know cultures and things in this because everybody uh in in the world has different uh legends and myths that they can draw upon uh and creepy stories that they can uh uh, bring forth and i'm hoping that this uh book in addition to you know bringing gothic horror of barovia and strad uh, to more, you know, in, in more detail, we get all these other great domains of dread uh, coming out there, um, which we'll be previewing a bunch going forward. But uh, there's there's a wealth of really cool stuff there from a lot of really great contributors mm-hmm. to the horror genre. Yep, yep. So lots more to to come on that. I cannot wait to have uh, Wes be a guest. Yes, on Wes Talk Schneider this. has been leading the charge on this book. Uh, and uh, he has taught me more than ever that you have to accentuate horror when you say it. Yeah, that's why I tried to. I tried to do that. He's, he's very good at it. Horror. Horror. Scary stuff. There you go. Well, you that's, just call it that. So it alliterates. Uh, yep. 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 So sweet. Anyway. So those two amazing uh, things are coming very soon. Uh, you know, like we said, May eighteenth for. Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft, but March 16th, which is only a little bit away, you'll be able to get your hands on Candlekeep Mysteries. Uh, and I can't wait to get to our interview with Mark and Kelly. But before that, we have an amazing segment for you to listen to. For your listening pleasure. Welcome to another random character generator. I am Greg Tito, and I have Brandy Camel joining. Hi, Brandy. Hi, Greg. How are you today? 
pretty good. I'm excited to roll some dice and create a random character. We do that using D&D Beyond's amazing character building tool. We're going to start with a third level character, see what happens, and then Brandy and I will make up a backstory uh, as well as character details based on the numbers and choices that this randomizer spits out. They're not always optimal, but that's part of what makes it fun uh, to create this character. So are you ready, Brandy? I'm absolutely ready. Honestly, I kind of, I I secretly always hope for the non-optimized ones because I find them to be fun mental exercises. Absolutely, yeah. They end up being the ones that you write home about. Uh, And here we have interesting interesting character, Eludar, Eludur, 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 which uh, makes you know it sounds like Eleanor at least to me a little bit. So maybe mm-hmm. this is a, uh, a a female presenting half orc fighter. Yes, half orc fighter. What's mark of finding? I don't know what mark of finding is. I, it feels like an Eberron thing. Gunslinger. Yes, it's a it's a gunslinger. Oh no! So yeah. Okay. Oh, the mark of finding. Yes, that would be a an Eberron. Is that, uh, dragon is that an mark. Eberron? Okay. That makes total sense. So, looking at the stats here. <laughs> just, wow, we're we're a little all over. We're actually kind of middle of the road, to be honest. Yeah, I guess at the end they get better. But it's a fighter who's got a nine strength. Uh, <laughs> so that was what made me laugh at first with a negative one modifier. But you know, it's a, it's a gunslinger, so I think we can work with that. <laughs> yeah, the dexterity is not too bad with a with a twelve and a plus one, uh, mm-hmm. and then yeah, constitution, intelligence, wisdom, and charisma all plus one. Intelligence is the only one that's plus two, uh, mm-hmm. with a fifteen score there. So yeah, definitely leaning hard into the the more mental statistics for yeah. a fighter, which is not not common. We'll say not that. too common. Maybe this is this is already speaking to be as like your strategist, right? Oh, yeah, that's a real good way to think about it, like the one who's uh, calling the shots on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. All right. So half-orc, uh, and in the world of Eberron, or at least uh, using a dragon mark that is from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, skills-wise, they've got uh, deception. It's okay. trained uh, with uh, only a plus three modifier, as well as in- very leaning hard into the charisma-based skills here because there's yeah. intimidation. Mm-hmm. And performance, uh, all with a plus three modifier as being trained, and then perception uh, with a uh, with a wisdom score, giving it also a plus three. So, okay, okay, yeah, you could see this being a leader type character, or at least someone who is the face, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I could see this being a face type character. I could see this. Uh, the high perception is really nice because that gives you something with um, like like a lookout position, or maybe even like a sniper. Um, somebody who's uh, taking the time and really studying the battlefield and determining where to go from there. Yeah. Um, We said that it was a gunslinger, and it is. uh, So in the fighter choices of fighting style here, uh, they adopted archery. So Mm -hmm. that's good. It gives them a little bit of a bonus to their attacks. Uh, Although we don't get that recognized here because equipment doesn't show up. Right, uh, right. When we do this yet, so but it, it would be around the you know pretty good stats for a for a third level character to get like a plus six or a plus seven mm-hmm. to their attack rolls. Yeah, that's not um, too bad at all. Looking up the gunslinger to get a little bit more uh, about that. 
All right, the gunslinger, I believe, is is unofficial content. This is a, a homebrew. Yeah, this was from option. Critical Role. Um, mm-hmm. From uh, so it's mixing uh, both the uh, Wild Mount and Eberron uh, materials here to create this character, which is pretty interesting. I think that's happened to us a couple of times before. <laughs> yeah. It always throws us for a loop, too, because you're like, this is a melding of, of different worlds, but that's part of what makes this fun. Yeah, so uh, they also have uh, Hunter's Intuition as well as Finder's Magic. Okay. Oh, that Hunter's Intuition is really interesting and plays nicely with the, with the fact that they're already trained in Perception. Right, yeah, giving them a bonus to uh, those, a D4 bonus, uh, mm-hmm. which is fantastic. And then Finder's Magic, uh, which is part of the Mark of Finding uh, from Eberron, basically gives them a Hunter's Mark that they can use once per long rest, which is, which is nice. That's usually a, a Ranger's, you know, in the Ranger's toolbox. Well, that's kind of cool. I could also see this character going in the direction of, um, you know, being maybe like a bounty hunter style character that oh, might be Oh yeah. Uh, and the background is also one uh that is very oh, yeah. interesting, a grinner. I am actually really familiar with this <laughs> cuz my character in my Wild Mount campaign is uh is on the path to becoming a grinner. So <laughs> That's awesome. So yeah, t- tell us a little bit about what that is. So um, this is a kind of a really cool sort of underground group of um, troubadours mostly and wanderers and travelers and things like that. Uh, so they, they more often than not tend to be bards, but not always. Um, and uh, it's, it's one of those things where uh, they are a group who's always kind of looking, looking out for one another, looking out for the little guy, trying to find ways to kind of subvert some of the more like oppressive uh, stations out there and, uh, and bring help to those who need it. So it's a, it's a very, it's a goodly kind of underground, um, but it is definitely like a little bit, a little bit more like the, the underground rebellion style of organization. Got it. Yeah, so that is pretty fascinating. Uh, and yeah, how do you think that would work with the you know, gunslinger kind of leader face role that we're talking about here? What's really funny to me is that this is basically like a half-work Han Solo in my mind, mm. right? This, this could totally be the, the smuggler with a heart of gold style character. Because they're they're a quick talker, they've got that deception going, they've got intimidation going, so maybe they know how to you know talk brass tacks when it comes down to it. Um, the performance can be can totally tie into this whole underground troubadour like part of the the grinning um, or the golden grin faction. So there's a there's a lot going on there that actually ties together really nicely. Yeah, I like the idea of uh, Eludur. Being, uh, you know, a bit of a showman with uh, how she shoots the guns, you know, being able to do some trick shots and uh, reminds me a little bit of, uh, I don't know, Back to the Future Part 3 when Marty McFly's <laughs> got his like, oh, I, can, I am actually way better oh, at yeah. this than, than you think I am uh, type of stuff. And I feel like she could play on that a lot. Totally. Yeah. I think that, that that I think blends in really well. It's a combination of performance and also just kind of showing off in a way that that gives you status in an organization, right? Yeah. Yeah. 
not a lot of gunslingers, though, perform in, in taverns and things like that. So <laughs> this would definitely be much more of a carnival or like outdoor performance spaces that they would be in, right? Yeah, carnival or circus was kind of where I was first going. Yeah, um, me too. I think that 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 meshes pretty well. Uh, could it, could also be um, actually the type of troupe that travels from empire to empire and performs for nobility or performs for, uh, you know, maybe oh. maybe performs for kings and queens and things like that. And that could be a great cover uh, mm-hmm. too, so that they're actually doing a lot more than just uh, performing for these courts. They are infiltrating them and being spies. Uh, for uh for for whoever pays top dollar okay i'm i'm gonna lose it here because i just noticed did you look at the tools proficiency yes yes <laughs> bagpipes what bagpipes. perfect perfect this is this is a boisterous character because you have to be <laughs> you have to be to be master of bagpipes as well as like you know being the type of person who wields one of the loudest weapons in Exantria, you know, if you're if you're going to be throwing around guns and bagpipes, there's no way this is a quiet character. No, uh, it is. It's almost it's horrifying <laughs> being able to, <laughs> you know, you see, you hear the like the bagpipes calling, and you know that uh, uh, Eludur and her uh, band of troubadours is coming for you. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> That's super cool. Yeah, and so languages uh, common in Goblin. Why do you, why do you think Elador might know Goblin? Um, there's prop- there's a couple of reasons. Um, I think Goblin's pretty common, especially in like the Dwendalian Empire. So if this is you know if this is a character who's from the world of Exandria, uh, is a wild mount oriented character, um, probably someone who roams the countryside in the Dwendalian Empire would fit really well. Just as uh, fits just as well in Jorhas too, um, because Jorhas is also like highly populated with a variety of different monster races. So. Um, Goblin, I think, is just a good call, kind of no matter where you're at in Wildmount. That makes sense. Do you think so? Yeah, this, since this combines stuff from Wildmount as well as from Eberron, where would you think that this character uh, hails from, or are they? Do they travel the plains? Do they go back and forth between these two worlds, and even to our, you know, material uh, plane? You know, I could kind of see it either way. Maybe this is somebody who was, um, I'm getting kind of planeswalkery with this concept, but um, but maybe this is somebody who was dropped off from the world of Eberron into the world of Critical Role, right? Mm. Um, maybe they, they started in Eberron or, or, you know, was born in Eberron, but at a very early age uh, migrated to Exandria for whatever reason. Maybe Maybe it was an accident. Maybe it was intentional. Uh, could be that they were taking refuge. I know dragon marks are, so for, you know, um, totally correct me on this because for me, Eberron's one of the worlds I know a little bit less about, but mm-hmm. um, I know dragon marks are very prized and very highly sought after. So perhaps yeah. this was someone who ended up with a dragon mark that wasn't supposed to or was in grave danger as a result of inheriting this dragon mark. Yeah, that makes sense. And then perhaps we're drawn into a ritual or a spell or a teleportation circle that was supposed to do one thing but ended up going awry and putting them in uh, Tal'Darai instead or in Wildmount instead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's totally totally an option I could see here. I could actually see a really cool arc happening for this character 
with this whole finder's magic tied in where maybe maybe what they're trying to find is their way home. Yes. Yeah, I was just, I had that exact same leap as soon as you started talking. I'm like, oh, this is like Voyager. Like this is like they Excellent. got they got real far away and then now they're in just trying to get back. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so what does Elidur uh, look like? What do you think uh, her appearance is uh, while she's here in Wildmount? Oh, well, let's see. Um, she's probably a little bit thinner than you might expect for a half-work, um, especially with that low strength coming into play. Um, you know, this isn't, this isn't your typical ripped half-work kind of character. Maybe, the, maybe she's a little bit more live, uh, especially, you know, being a, a gunslinger needs to be able to, to, you know, do fancy shots and things like that. Um, I think that that could be a really cool look for her. Uh, if she's got longer hair, then she probably keeps it pulled back and out of her face. Mm. Um, or, or keeps a hat to, to keep it tucked under. You could almost go like that Annie Oakley style of thing with like a bun tucked underneath a wide-brimmed hat. Yep, I was I was totally thinking. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on the name of the character from Red Dead Redemption Two, but mm-hmm. it, uh, that ends up being a wonderful, you know, gunslinger. Uh, you know, despite where she came from. So yeah, that that'd be great. I, Annie Oakley, Annie, get your gun. That's what I was thinking too. Yeah, so. Yeah. This has got a cowboy-esque feel to it, I think. It really does. It does yeah. have kind of a cowboy-esque feel to it. Uh, something something about giving half-works a Western accent, I think, just happens in the world of Critical Role. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> so we're staying true. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely. Uh, Excellent. All right. Well, I mean, I think this uh, elder came together pretty pretty easily here. I, I, I think we're, we're ready for, for summarization. Was there any other parts of this that you wanted to make sure we talked through? Honestly, I think I think we hit all the major notes. We have a really well fleshed out character. I think everything just kind of landed in place through serendipity, you know. Yeah. All right. So uh, uh, Elidur is a half orc fighter uh, trained in uh, archery or ranged combat because of their gunslinging uh, skills. They're also uh, proficient with firearms and uh, you know general fighting skills, but that's not where their strengths lie. Uh, Elidur is all about um, performance and being the face of a perhaps nefarious organization, at least one that is able to infiltrate into high places and entertain, but maybe also get some secrets uh, that they can peddle and attempt to uh, get even more resources because Elidur's ultimate goal is trying to get back to her homeworld, get back to Eberron, and she may be trapped in Wildmount and uh, joining the uh, the the Grinners uh, in order as a, as a means to an end more than anything else. She also has a dragon mark, uh, which allows her to um, focus fire on specific bad guys, but also find stuff that is necessary, which uh, gets into what she's uh, trying to uh, try to do, which is get back to uh, to her homeland. Uh, as far as appearance goes, she looks uh, like a, a thin, lithe, uh, perhaps tall um, figure, uh, hair up in a bun behind a wide-brimmed hat, uh, no nonsense, uh, but is quick to laugh, especially when she brings out her bagpipes as a, as a threat uh, or a warning uh, to those around her and perhaps uh, her companions and compatriots uh, roll their eyes every time they start hearing her, her bagpipe playing. <laughs> 
And she's got a really uh, kind of a Western drawl in how she speaks, uh, leaning into the cowgirl uh, kind of motif we're going with here. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Do she's you, she, she's got it. She's got to have the y'all and the you know how, how y'all doing today. That you know, real real kind of southern southern happy drawl. Y'all got some sand to be talking to us this way. <laughs> yeah, I like that a lot. Uh, so yeah, that's Ella Durr. Uh, she is a really fun character. Even looking at the negative one uh, strength, I was like not sure this was going to be something that was going to be playable, but I think this ends up with uh, something that has some really good hooks that you could use if you were going to uh, use her as an NPC or, or play her in your games. Absolutely. I think that she could be a really good option for the brains of the outfit for like a, you know, a hidden cell of golden grinners or, or things of that nature. Yeah. Being able to uh, intimidate and, uh, uh, you know, run a good show with a performance and, and deception as well is, is going to make her uh, very good at being the face of any one of those pseudo-illegal organizations. <laughs> that ends up in high places. I think that's also really key. Like She uses that, yeah. that kind of uh, uh, demeanor uh, to go in places above her station. Definitely. So cool. Awesome. Well... That's Elidur. Thank you so much, Brandy, for uh, talking through this character with me. Uh, we'll put this uh, a link to this character in the show notes. So if you're uh, interested in finding out uh, what all of this means and perhaps using Elidur in your games, here's the opportunity to do so. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me, Greg. Yeah, no problem. And Brandy, uh, if people have uh, any stories about using Elidur in their games, how could they uh, tag you and let you know? Definitely the best place to find me is on Twitter at D-A-Y-N-T-E-E, Dainty. Excellent. And uh, throw me a tag in there too, at Greg Tito. And I'd love to hear about using Elidur in your Wildmount, Eberron, or other setted games. <laughs> <laughs> She's so cool. I, I, honestly, I'm trying to find ways already mentally to use her. <laughs> I know, right? I want to be her also. <laughs> I like to play it too. <laughs> so fun. What an interesting, fun, amazing character Brandy and I were able to put together. You guys have just too much fun together, don't you? You need to stop. It's like a wag of the finger you just had with that tone of voice. Mm -mm -mm. Yes. Mm -mm -mm. Too much fun going on there. All right. We will dial down the fun. We're going to have a sad slash horror themed uh, (laughs) You need (laughs) to create some sad, miserable, boring characters. Okay. Hey, I'm your character. Where do you want to go today? (laughs) You say boring, but I'm intrigued. I want to learn more. (laughs) (laughs) I'm ready for adventure. Why are you so sad, Eeyore McGee? I'm not. Just whatever. Let's just go. All right. Maybe we can kill some monsters? Yeah, I guess. (laughs) that's how we should do random character generator from yeah you guys can do your own little digitally thing i'm gonna create real ones with your voice with my voice because i'm a voice talent (laughs) 
<laughs> and oh. I won't take no for an answer. I never did my new voice for you. What's your new voice? Well, okay, let's do it in the outro. We'll save no. it for the outro. Oh, I know. Okay. You're going to have to listen to this amazing interview with Kelly and Mark and then come back for Shelly's new voice. Okay. Welcome to Dragon Talk. Mark Humes and Kelly Lynn D'Angelo. Hi, you Yay! two. Hello. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me. So excited for having both of you here. Uh, wow. I can't believe, I think the last time we were all in the same place was at D&D Live 2019, right? Oh, oh my God. <laughs> 500 like- years before yes. we met in the fabled lands. Yeah, What's pretty much. That like? Literally, we went to hell, and then we went to a new version. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I liked D and D hell better. <laughs> <laughs> very much so. Very much so. Very. It's been eighty-four years. It uh, feels like it, doesn't it? Oh, it yeah. really does. Time um, differently, like time moves differently. It really yeah. does in those planes. Look at this. <laughs> yeah, the pestilence yeah. plane. Definitely. Uh, both speaking of, you, of time, yes are uh, here because you've spent a lot of time working on Dungeons & Dragons <laughs> products, uh, especially Candlekeep Mysteries, which is coming out this month, March 16th. Both of you have adventures uh, that you authored in that book, and we're really excited to learn more about that. Of course, you know, reminisce about uh, uh, shows gone past as well as when we'll get together <laughs> again in the future, but I'm just really excited about these one-shot adventures. Uh, so... Uh, Kelly, let's start with you. Can you give us like a quick like run through of what your adventure is about without spoiling the mystery, if you can? Yeah, I'll just say, okay, so my one chat adventure is uh, it's called The Lore of LaRue. It is an enchanted book uh, that maybe takes you on a quest that is in regards to both lore and the history of the Forgotten Realms, you get sucked into it. You go through this really epic adventure through the high forest. Um, and I I don't want to give away too much. I'm trying to think of what else to kind of say around these corners. But if you really love magic and if you love mystery, if you love um, putting together the pieces of puzzle work, not just in the story, but in, in the sort of fabric of Forgotten Realms and maybe the fabric of history in, in the high forest itself, Definitely check it out. It's a very fun and magical journey. I love that. What is Sounds what is amazing. Larue? Can you tell us what Larue is, or is that part of yes. the, the mystery? I, I think so. Larue is a unicorn goddess. You're gonna tell. It's it's very clear because <laughs> if you even look at the book, like there's a big old unicorn that's all glittery on it. So um, <laughs> uh, you'll know right away when you see it that it has something to do maybe with something magical or something sort of. Um, some sort of enchantment is happening. So the mystery begins with that question, which is who is she, what's going on, and how can we get to the root of the sort of discord that's happening within the high forest? So little hint on that. That's super okay. cool. What I, level is yours? Uh, level like eight-ish, I would say. Okay. Or you want it to, you know, six, level six, maybe to level eight. You kind of want them around that that group. Perfect. My, I, I have just a weird personal connection because we, one of the pet names I have for my daughter is LaRue uh, because we used to call it, we call her Fee, Fiona is her name. We call her Fifi. And then for some reason, Fifi LaRue is Fifi what we LaRue called her. Fifi LaRue is a great name. I think she came out 
uh, very red faced, and so we were like, "Oh, she's you know Phoebe Larue," and so it's been shortened to Larue. And so every single time I think of that adventure uh, that you wrote, I'm like, "Huh, maybe this has got Fiona's name all over it." That's adorable. <laughs> I love that accidental blessing there. I, I I wrote it for her in mind. I definitely knew all of that. <laughs> she loves unicorns, so it's perfect. Oh my god! And Fifi <laughs> Larue is a great D and D character name, by the way. That is, so. yeah, very true. I get halfling vibes from Fifi Larue. I don't know uh, why. Yeah. yeah, I get, I get Kiki Palmer meets halfling vibes. <laughs> so somewhere in that mix, and I want it. Yeah, I love that. I love that. Yes. Inspired. Uh, so I want to. We'll definitely ask more about all that fun stuff. Uh, but Mark, what is going on with your adventure for Candlekeep Mysteries? Okay, so mine, it's kind of funny because mine is also based around a, a bit of an enchanted book, as I'm sure many of the adventures are. Mine is called The Price of Beauty, uh, and it's a little bit of a kind of sidestep from your typical D&D adventure. Um, it starts off uh, about trying to track down uh, a lost acolyte in Candlekeep who's bit, having a bit of a rough time, um, and then you discover The Price of Beauty, and that will lead you to a magical day spa where your characters can enjoy a little bit of a break and maybe take on some fun activities and explore uh, the Temple of the Restful Lily, which is a magical day spa to Sunni. And then maybe you'll discover that things aren't quite what they appear to be and there's maybe something a little bit more sinister going on. And then that is where the whole mystery comes in. And I don't want to say another word <laughs> because at it will give away the whole thing at the day spa. So... <laughs> Is yeah, this it's, based it's, on real life at all? Because I want to know <laughs> what kind of spas you're visiting. Listen, I couldn't possibly say. So <laughs> I'd, uh, I'd, I definitely, uh, I want to go back to that spa sometime. So I couldn't possibly uh, talk about this. No, I'm joking. <laughs> I, it's uh, it's meant to be a kind of a good, you know, like a filler episode kind of adventure where like maybe you're, you know, your heroes have been off saving Waterdeep or doing, going through dungeons. And then, oh, look, a magical book that takes you to a magical day spa. Oh no, bad things are happening. <laughs> and then that's you the gotta whole be careful, you know? Yeah, Usually exactly. at, at the spas that I used to go to back in, in the before times, it was only like copy <laughs> like three year old issues of People magazine and us weekly. <laughs> so you gotta be careful what, what you pick up at these. Exactly. Spas. Very much so, so. Very much I so. I love it. And that is a a, a level five ish. That is a fifth level adventure, yeah. So it's kind of in the same bracket, but I, I wrote it with fifth level more in mind. So the, the monsters and, and everything else are all tailored around that. So So I, I don't know if you're aware of this, but um people uh, a small group of people will get to preview that adventure at uh, virtual play weekends that are happening yes. in March. Did you know I that? did hear about this. So yeah. I, I only recently found out about this. But yeah, I saw that my adventure was one of the ones that people could play at the virtual weekend. Um, and it's also, uh, there's, a current, there's a current thing in the UK for comic relief where people can win a, an adventure run by me at a castle, a real castle here in the mm -hmm. UK when it's safe. And that's all in partnership with Comic Relief. But yeah, the virtual play weekend. I'm very interested to see what people think of it from there because I do think it is a bit of a different take on a D&D &D adventure. So I'm kind of interested to see how people respond to it. So Yeah, that's what I love. Like one of the many things that I love about this book is that they're they're so different. Mm -hmm. All of the, um, so many questions I have. But, but <laughs> okay, I'm just going to start rattling some off here. Go for it. Did you and the other contributors uh, work together? at all on your adventure or were you all pretty siloed in how you did this? 
Um, I, I can speak from my personal experience. It was, it was definitely intimately done in terms of like me doing a lot of the work and having the support of the D and D staff, specifically Christopher Perkins. Um, but I didn't, I didn't know who else was collaborating yep. at the time. And <laughs> oh, wow. I was just like, like kind of like, Ooh, who, who else did they reach out to who, and, and you know, slowly, but surely I think we we found out one by one or by like a an email or like just from word of mouth or something so yeah i was going to say the same thing cuz i remember when the the book got announced and all the big list of of creators got announced i suddenly had dms from kelly and amy and a bunch of other people that i know that worked on it saying you worked on this book too oh my oh, god and we so were cool. just kind of like talking yeah. about it and like to, you know saying like oh my adventures fifth level and you know blah 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 we were kind of talking to each other about it um but yeah i mainly i spoke with bill benham uh, who was yeah. like my contact at, uh, from wizards and we were kind of going back and forward on the adventure but yeah i i, I didn't know who else was working on it <laughs> it would have uh, i would have loved to have kind of picked some brains but um no i didn't didn't know that's oh, a hard part in, in, in developing when you have so many voices going on at the same time and having it all yeah. funnel up to Chris is always great. But at the same time, uh, we, we, when we're talking to contributors who are working on, uh, say, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden, they end up creating their own little like, you know, whisper networks of trying to figure out like, oh, hey, how does this uh, you know, uh, fit in with, with the thing that you're working on? And it ends up being this great, almost like a D&D party, everybody coming together mm-hmm. and collaborating. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, going forward, we should totally... Make sure that's easier for everyone to to talk amongst themselves. There was definitely a funny moment where, like, I in the DMs, I was like, "Did you have? Did you also struggle with the map?" And everyone was like, "Yes, the map." And it was that just was, like that was a beautiful. Whole thing. It was a beautiful yeah. moment just to be like, "Oh, the camaraderie of like us all trying to create the appropriate maps." Yeah, <laughs> and that's a really interesting point because I think you know you two definitely come from the. Uh, performative aspect of, of, of Dungeons and Dragons, right? You know, you certainly play in your home games, but a lot of, uh, you know, what people know you for, you know, uh, Kelly as, as DM for for Girls Gets Glory and, and Mark, all of your work with um, uh, High Rollers uh, and, and and all that stuff, as well as Knights of Even Star. Um, so, you like, yeah, you don't, when you're preparing for those things, you may not think about maps because it's not a visual medium, right? The visual is everyone's faces. Uh, so, yeah, how was it being like, writing's thing that's not just notes and making sure that the DMs who are reading this uh, will have the visualization that's that's in your head. Uh, you know, uh, Mark, yeah, let's start with you. Yeah, well, for, for me, it's it was a little bit different because uh, we do use maps and every now and then with like high rollers, like either physical maps or, you know, we'll do digital maps and things. So I, I was one of the few people in this group conversation who was just like, I kind of was okay with the map. That was the least scary part <laughs> for me. It was the actually writing stuff that I thought people would find fun and uh, find enjoyable bit mm. that I was worried about. Um, but it was definitely, when I write my games, my notes, and I don't know if Kelly's the same for you, my notes are a mess of just bullet points. It will just be like one word, bullet point, one word, bullet points, and then I run everything from there. And because I know my players so well, we've been playing for such a long time, I know the stuff they like, I know what they're going to enjoy, I know how I can kind of trick them into doing things or not doing things. But writing this adventure was the first time I had to kind of go through it. And I, I found myself constantly going back and rereading it and saying, does this make sense? Would somebody kind of get that this character is, you know, how this relates to this? And I, I re- that was one thing I really struggled with was making sure it was readable to other DMs. Um, and I was really grateful that, yeah, Bill and Chris were there to kind of give that feedback. So I think that that was the big thing that I needed a lot of the help with, really. 
Yeah. And on, on my side of things, I, I work, I, we have a lot of maps, but they're all pre-created maps. Like, um, I have tabletop maps and I have, um, a lot of beautiful digital maps that are animated and move. You know, I'm a big techie. Like I love, I love technology. Um, surprisingly, (laughs) even though Mark has like the coolest setup, um, I need to get on that side of technology more so in terms of streaming and such, but in terms of implementing it into my D and D gameplay, um, that's usually what I do. So having to get like artistically creative, it is a skill set that every time I see it, like you should have seen me in ninth grade when I had to take a prerequisite for like art. Like I literally like walked in the door and then turned around and walked out and like walked back in the door. I was like, okay, I can do this for one semester. <laughs> um, like art for me is so, it, my brain doesn't really wrap around it easily. And when I, when I try to do something, I like to execute it like really, really well. So art is that quarter where I'm just like, oh no, this is going to show how much of a noob I am in all things artistic, Um, which was true. And it did. Um, (laughs) But I, you know, I took it all in grace and I refined my map skills in terms of like setting up the design of the map and articulating like and finding actually really, really good um, programs where you can build on your own and kind of design, it can help you create the boxes or it can help you like, you know, make the trees, like again, uh, childlike skills. So I had to kind of utilize my creative elements to make it look clean, yet also good enough for Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) (laughs) I am shocked that you guys had to do this much on your, on the maps though. Like I would have thought that like, you would have just like put a, a bulleted list together and be like, there's some trees in the upper left and <laughs> probably a school down here. Like you actually had to do well, more of that design. I know for me is I had like a really strong visual idea of how I wanted the day spa to be laid out. Because the location was such an important part of my adventure that that was the very first thing I did is I sat down and I sketched out and it was like on a a piece of paper that I'd found near my desk and I just sketched out a really rough kind of outline of everything and where I thought things should go. And then from there, I was like, okay, I've got, you know, these many rooms, I want to have a treatment room. I want to have a pool. I want to have a this. I want to have a that. How can I then, what mechanics or fun things can I write in to make those fun? So for me, like that was where I started. And then that was like the easiest thing to develop from. And then I just did like a nicer version with the programs Kelly mentioned that because I can't draw for to save my life. I was never going to be able to do that. But luckily, there's a lot of marvelous programs out there that you can use and they'll do all the kind of actual artistic skill for you. I just needed the layout lockdown. And then once I had that, that was easier to step forward on. Yeah, I I was just like, oh, world, all world characters, like completely going from that angle of my storytelling. And I love, you know, I'm a big sandbox believer, like laying things up and things are moving, but you can have fun and let your let your characters go where they will. And that was actually a difficult thing for me because I was like, well, you can't sandbox here. You gotta, you gotta get specific. You gotta tell your one-shot adventure. You gotta like navigate that story in a way where it's like, yeah, we have these maps and I have these locations and these things are all happening. So when they occur, when they walk into it, great, pull up those materials and let's go. This is much more narratively driven. So uh, my maps for me were kind of like the very end and the sort of like, like firming up of like, okay, this, and then this, and then this. (laughs) Wow. That's a yeah. I I would feel the same the same way. I'm I'm anxious hearing you talk about. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for me, the visual of where things are laid out is where storytelling, at least in D and D, comes from. For me, like it doesn't need to be 
uh, pretty and it often isn't. But yeah, I'd like you, I have to lean on those online tools. And then I'm like, oh yeah, yeah take someone else's trees and put them in there. And then all of a yeah. sudden it's like, oh great, that works gr- wonderfully. Um, and uh, so yeah, that's really cool to be able to come from you know, uh, uh, transferring something from paper to uh, what it's going to end up being in print in in play for for you know thousands of fans uh, potentially on March sixteenth is, is got to be really gratifying, right? Yeah, terrifying but gratifying. Yes, <laughs> terrifying but gratifying um, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, it's. I mean, I guess that the, because the two of you have spent so much time in front of the camera performing, like as you know, Greg said, very well known dungeon masters for you know very popular gaming groups this is like does this feel like a whole new level of uh nerves that you're tapping into because now it's it's your writing that's that's getting put out there is it I, i'll let mark take it mark's nodding mark's nodding so, and, yeah, <laughs> yes, it is. for me this is it, it's one of the most incredible things i've been you know able to do as part of the D community and being you know involved in in the industry and, and doing all these live streams this is the most terrifying thing i've done like wow. put me on stage in front of twenty thousand people on twitch no problem honestly fine write something that other people are gonna play and use and judge from a kind of skill level that terrifies me <laughs> that that really uh i'm very anxious about it and especially the adventure i've written is a little bit different and you know, it, it you know tackles a couple of themes that aren't traditional D and D things. Uh, yeah, there's definitely a little bit of, of fear with that. Um, I'd much rather you know I could get up there and play naked with uh, Chris Perkins, and I'd be I'd prefer that in a way. <laughs> you know, I'd I'd rather that because that's the stage persona can take on that. This is very much uh, uh, an internal mark thing. So yeah, I'm very scary. <laughs> I don't yeah. know how you feel, Kelly. I mean, last year I think there was a lot of pressure. And I put, I was putting pressure on myself in, in a unique way. Cause I am a, I am a storyteller and a professional writer. So my experience comes like with, with putting a pen to paper, easy, got it, can deliver, can tell a story, can describe things, can do things that I know people will enjoy because I have exercised that skill for 10 years now. Um, however, in terms of the sort of like moving from being a DM and having fun with friends and being able to kind of translate that into a professional arena, which has been amazing, um, to take that to the next skill and then actualize that in written word for me is always like the penultimate sort of like, like it's just a big responsibility. And so I was not just thinking of myself while I was approaching it. I was thinking of all the other doors that were opening for people. and that's where my anxiety came from. It came from, oh my gosh, this is such a great opportunity. What can I do to build bridges and make magic? So, so that's that was where and think and you know it's so funny because I if you had asked me a year ago, are you anxious? Are you this? I would have said yes. But I've spent the last year in a lot of therapy. Everybody, therapy is great. <laughs> nice. And and anxiety, if you can work on it, you know, and build from it, it can be a you can live with it. You can learn. So I'm that's where I'm coming from on that because it's like I'm actually really excited, um, nervous a little bit, yes, but more excited. Well, and that, I think that's a really important for for people to hear, right? Like because, you know, you might look from the outside looking in. You two might seem like you've got it made, right? Like mm-hmm. all these, you know, I'm on these shows, I'm in the, in cameras, I'm, you know, everything is great. And then I don't think people realize how uh, 
you know, nerve-wracking it can be to switch mediums or to just do something that's outside of, of any type of comfort zone whatsoever. Um, that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's hard. I mean, you see it in, I mean, you see it in sports with, you know, Michael Jordan trying baseball and, you know, uh, uh, you know, people who are uh, known for being actors trying to do music and vice versa yeah. and, and, and expanding out there. And I think it's really important to realize that that challenge is, is what makes, us human it's why our D characters are the way they are and yeah. they're doing it too and and um it's okay to strive right yeah yeah uh it's kind of a semi little just addendum to it but when i got the email from chris and bill that was like hey we'd like you to work on this i actually replied back and said have you guys sent this to the wrong person are you sure this was meant for me because i i genuinely you know it's it's you know being a dm on 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 stream for your group of friends is a very very different thing to writing mm-hmm. a published dnd adventure and i genuinely was like oh maybe they've i think they've sent this to the wrong person and then yeah luckily i had bill and chris come back and say like no we we did mean to send it to you <laughs> Um, oh, you're not Mark Holmes? Oh, yeah. oh no, we've sent it. To, we, this was Darn meant for Matt, Matt Holmes. And I'm like, uh, okay, yeah, no worries. So, yeah. That's literally imposter syndrome, too, right? Like, that's oh, yeah. like, oh, wait, no, I'm not the right person. You're thinking of someone else. Sounds and cool for I always, Mike Holmes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I will Very always nice. remember, uh, you know, Mr. Mercer saying that when we did a, one of our biggest events uh, in Seattle for the stream of Annihilation. He was like, this is the largest concentration of people with imposter syndrome in one place. Yeah. Yeah. And it was. It really was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All of us were like, I can't believe this is happening. Uh yeah, and you I know, shouldn't and, be here. That why, was like why five am I? years ago. And it's still <laughs> people still feel that way, you know, about about where their places are in in, you know, just this industry as well as uh in, in show business in general. Uh and you know, Kelly, you were talking about how uh, amazing it was that you know, you're getting a lot of uh, things going on. Like, can you talk a little bit about what it's been like to go on that 10 year jersey journey and, you know, get the uh, sorry, the musical getting the notoriety it has <laughs> and all the amazing stuff that's going alongside of your, your RPG career here. It's, it's been a, it's been a wild journey. You know, I'm not from the industry. I didn't even know that there was fields. I didn't know that a, you could become a pro, like a semi-professional Dungeons and Dragons player. Like that's, a, that's, that's crazy. Still, that still blows me um, away too. <laughs> what? <laughs> um, but I also had that same standing to television writing back in the day. Like I, it, I was like, wait, you can become a professional television writer. Like that same sort of shock was my approach. Cause I come from a very small town in upstate New York. Um, you know, my upstate whole family, um, I'm from oh, so my family's from Buffalo. Oh, oh no way. My whole yes. family's from Buffalo, Rochester. So you are on our homelands because yes. I'm Honsunshone. So you're from where my people are from, which is really exciting. It's a beautiful place. Yeah. Um, Gorgeous. Especially during the fall. Mm-hmm. That area is just stunning. Yep. Um, but if you can imagine growing up there for 20 plus years. Oh, uh, I can. <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> this is all pretty hard to wrap your mind around. So um as I had started to navigate the professional television film space, you know, I had to put a lot of seeds. I had to plant a lot of seeds in order to see them grow. And through a series of hard work and just kind of flailing about in the best I can, uh, but creating a really beautiful network of um, support around me. I think that was the most important thing is, you know, you want, you see these people in the world and you say, how do you, I, eventually, you know, become like them? Or how do I get to do the things that they do? When, when I look back on it, it really is, yes, strive, but 
the communities you build around you and the people you keep around you, that's where all of that um, goodness is going to eventually come from. It's it's mm. creating that sort of well of support. So now I'm at this point in my career where like last year I went from show to show to show to show. I got to rate for Netflix, the spirit Rangers, which um, I really hope people can check out. Cause that's like the first all native American animation writers room show that's coming out and the talents native, everybody involves native. It is going to awesome. be revolutionary. So wow. please, please check it out. Uh, if, and when, and also last, you know, last year I got to write on like a live action show for the first time in my life. And like all of these are kind of coinciding. And it was right at the time that I also got offered a chance to write on a Dungeons and Dragons adventure book. So it was sort of, um, it's like a burden of riches, but in the state, it really is, especially during such a difficult time. I was like very overwhelmed by the the graciousness and the kindness of those reaching out and and also um in some ways not just thankful for the opportunities it was given me but the opportunities that and the things that are being discussed now on a larger level i think that is for me personally my comfortability level and the door that was opened it was perfect timing because had you talked to me at the beginning of my career maybe i wouldn't have held, had felt as secure as i do now to say this is the stories i want to tell um, cause I found myself maybe when I first moved out to LA, I started telling stories, um, really trying to show and prove that I can mimic someone's voice, which is important in television writing to show that you can write for your superiors or the people above you and, and make sure that their show is executed on a high level. Um, but this D and D opportunity came at the perfect time in my career because I was like, you know what, there are certain stories I do want to tell that are not other people's stories, but stories for myself or stories to heal or stories of justice. And so it was kind of cool to mm. have that all meet yeah. <laughs> at that point. Cool, 2020 During was, a pandemic. Yeah, right. Yeah. I mean, that feels like there was <laughs> world cosmic divergence, yeah, going on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Everything. Yeah. Mark, you were saying that that it was also a good time for you. I saw you pointing to yourself where you're saying like, oh no, yeah, that, it, that was for me too. No, it was, it, I, that was more like Kelly talking about she had stories she wanted to tell. Like she developed this skill of like mimicking other people, but you know, and I, I've met Kelly and we've spoken and I know that there are stories that are going to be important to you and having you having the opportunity to tell the stories that are yours, like that was like, I was really, I'm really glad that you've gotten a chance to do that because, yeah, that's huge. you know, I think that, that that's, something that a lot of us get to do. We get to work for somebody else. We work on somebody else's game. We work on somebody else's show. We work on under somebody else, but there are always things that we ourselves want to put out there into the world. And it's, you know, when you get those opportunities, that's an amazing thing. And I'm just really glad that Kelly, you know, you got that opportunity to do that. So, yeah. I'm excited you did too with this D&D book of yours in the spa. Yeah. So it's, yeah. Yeah, it's like an extension of you. In a very, good way. very much so. Uh, I think it, it kind of is interesting in a way because it, it came at a, a period of time where, um, you know, I've been, uh, you know, if anybody who follows me on Twitter, especially in the last couple of years will find out, I've been getting really into doing uh, more costume play and stuff like that. And especially cosplaying female characters, which is something where, you know, I've done this a little bit in theater and things like that before, but Actually, part of this adventure is kind of all about uh, recognizing that there are things that you want to change about yourselves, and sometimes you can't, but in a world of magic, maybe you can. And there's definitely a little element of that in there, and there's definitely a little element of me kind of uh, putting some of that in there as well. So it was kind of very nice and therapeutic for me as well. Yeah. Oh, it sounds amazing. And when yeah. spas reopen... I'm gonna LARP. I'm gonna LARP your adventure. <laughs> <laughs> no, 
Mm, that go. would be interesting. You, you let me know how that goes, Shelly. Uh, uh, yeah, I can't for sure. wait. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, I feel like there's stuff in there you're not telling us about on purpose. Uh, that uh, You're like, no, mm, maybe lovely, not, Shelly. Maybe you don't want to do lo- it. Lovely break. Lovely vacation at the day spa, the magic day I'm, spa. I'm, definitely. What could nothing, go wrong? Nothing, what could go wrong? No what monsters wrong? or any bandits. No. Nothing like that. No. No. <laughs> not the spas I go to. <laughs> I get now. I want to be like, oh, here we found something. Uh, uh, it's a it's a beholder eye. Uh, do you want us to remove Beauty that for is in you? The eye. No, are you saying the next D and D live event is just going to be at a spa with Shelly? <laughs> if it were everyone. up to me, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, at least the part of it, part of it, that's why. I, off. Yeah, yeah, that's why they don't put me in charge of events. <laughs> it's true. They should. They should. I think we pitched that for uh, for part of our event around uh, uh, Icewind Dale. I think I wanted to have like a, make it a getaway at like some uh, like ski resort, and then be like, "Hey, it'll yeah. have all of the accoutrements of a ski resort, including spas <laughs> and saunas and all that stuff, and you know, have it all decked out for D and D stuff." That That'd that would have been my dream. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then the pandemic. So, what are you gonna do? Uh, Seeing, we'll get the spa. We'll get the spa eventually. So both of you are writers, obviously. Mark, you say you're a fledgling writer, but I think you're a little more than that. Okay. Well, um, thank you. <laughs> but I'm curious because I don't know. I've never written an adventure. But what what is uh, different about writing an adventure or what's the same with the types of writings that you've done before? What What was that process like for you guys? Yeah, oh, I, I was so engaged with Mark, uh, hearing the, the question thrown at Mark that I, I was just like, I'm excited to hear Mark say, can you oh, read? No, literally I was like, like, like watching. I was like, yeah, yeah. Can you rephrase that? Shall I, I am for me? I'm so sorry. like really terrible. Also when we have, um, multiple guests, especially being totally virtual. Cause I'm like looking at like one of you, but you don't know who I'm looking we at. Don't. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you don't know where my eyes are. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so just asking because you both have done a lot of writing and a lot of mediums and a lot of different types of writing. So what is, how is adventure writing different? Or maybe it's the same of some of those other types of writings because I have no idea how you would even start this process. I mean, for me, for, like adventure writing is incredibly different than every single type of writing that I've ever done. Um, I did like write some like uh, adventure, you know, small things for like Xander, uh, who once actually ran uh, one of my games for the Midwestern Moms uh, little show that he did for D and D a couple of years. That was back one now, of yours. Yeah, yeah, that was. I wrote that for him. Um, Wasn't so, La- Larue was part of of she, that? She was. She was. Um, it was a totally, it was a totally different story. But I've always had a little bit of a unicorn agenda. Um, so, <laughs> also a great have. name for uh, for an adventure, the unicorn or a ska band yeah. or a TV show. <laughs> right. it. Yes, the unicorn agenda has been a long time coming, and so. Um, with with all of that, you know, I had some experience in that space, but it does take, you know, you really do have to sit down and formulate and think about the the beats of where everyone's going to be going. Now, the beats is actually maybe one of the strongest things that translates from the television writing space into the adventure writing space. Um, but in terms of formatting or in terms of storytelling, you have to think in different perspectives with adventure writing. Like not only do you have to do like kind of like a, 
a bird's eye view, but you have mm-hmm. to do like also, okay, first person perspective and then second person perspective. And then third, like you're, you're just shifting different perspectives and tones in your writing. So you can think player, you can think DM, you have to think world, you have to think storytelling. So it's, it requires, um, uh, a brain who also enjoys, I would say the mechanics. So that's why it was really exciting as a DM to implement the the mechanic love that I have against the storytelling love I have. Yeah, yeah. so you have to think about what other, like there's no protagonists, right? So you have to be yeah. like, I have to set this up for any number of protagonists who might latch on to different story elements of these beats and make sure that there's stuff in there for them to digest. Was that, is that, yeah. is that kind of the, the gist of the difference there? Yeah. yeah. I just was also going to say there was no room for musical numbers in a book. So <laughs> <laughs> one day we'll have a musical themed He's, something around us. You have been talking about a musical D&D thing as long as I have known you, Greg T. I think every time I've come on Dragon Talk or like spoken to you in an interview, it's come up. Yeah. <laughs> this one is the one you need to speak to. But yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, that's true. I always I want it. it. The, the other thing with writing I felt is is not only do you have like a number of protagonists, but you have all the different player types as well. So when I was coming to mm. sit down, like you have the player who wants to turn up and they want to kill monsters, right? That's the, what they want to do. They want to swing their axe and kill monsters. You have the player who wants to explore and learn. You have the player who's the actor who wants to talk with every NPC and play out their character. You have the person who just wants to sit back and eat chips and take notes and just be part of the social group. And trying to write an adventure where you're not just hitting those narrative beats and you're not just giving the descriptions and the mechanics and the little fun sidebars, but trying to keep all of that in mind with the different styles of DM that might be playing, the different types of player that might be playing, that is such a challenge. Like trying to make sure that you're giving them everything they could want, especially when you've only got that one short adventure to do it in. You know, if you've got a whole campaign campaign book well you know maybe one session one player gets you know what they want in it the next session maybe is a bit more tailored to that player or that type of dm whereas in this it's you got to hit everybody at once it's got to be a shotgun you know scatter approach to make sure everybody has something fun they can do um that was a real challenge for sure uh, yeah that sounds awful um <laughs> i'll just stick to writing bachelor recaps <laughs> um but I'm hearing There's you different bachelor readers, though, <laughs> Shelly. You need to be able to make sure you're getting the ones that just want the fights. You want the ones it. that want to know about the character. <laughs> right. Do you just want to hear the top view? Or do you want me to really dig into like, yeah, their exactly. outfits? Yeah, and the, what they Chris do. Harrison view. Yeah. Right. Chris's, Chris's perspective. Um, so here you talk about Mark. Now, is, do you think that that is true for all adventure writings the way you're describing like thinking about all the different types of players that might interact with your adventure or do you think that you're approaching adventure writing that way because of your dm background because that's very much how you would how a dungeon master might be running a game at a table i think a hundred percent i think a hundred percent that's probably my dm instincts as well as you know i have my regular group of players that i have for high rollers they're all different types you know they're i know them at the table and i know the one who is really invested in the lore and she wants to know everything about the world i know the one who just wants to fight stuff and make stupid jokes and so (laughs) when i came to sit down you know and i've i've played in games with friends not on stream and i've played you know with a bunch of other streamers and i i did think i guess you know, I, I, I'm too much of a people pleaser where I want everyone to like my adventure. So I was just like, everyone must love this. I must try and do something for everyone. And so tried to kind of uh, launch it wide. And I think that, yeah, that, that whole DMing mentality is definitely going to have an effect 
uh, and definitely influenced that writing for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I wanted it, to do something which everybody <laughs> would like be like, you know, especially like a good when the master. Well, yeah. And when the topic is a magical day spa, I don't want people to be turned off by it and say like, oh, that sounds boring. Like I wanted there to be that when they arrive, they're like, oh, this is cool. And like, oh, I can do this. And there's something that they can still engage with for sure. Yeah. I, I would definitely just uh, jump on that and say, I, I think very similarly to make sure that everyone has a really great experience. But I was also thinking in the a little bit in the back of my mind because I had to, which was, man, if I was a kid and I wanted to play this, like, <laughs> what do I want? You know, like, and I really did go into a little bit more of like a, you know, just a, I, I did, I did the Pixar take on the four quadrant Pixar take because I wanted to include, and that's a television thing for you, four quadrants. It's good fun. Um, <laughs> but it means that it's accessible to everybody because I really did want to open up those doors and think like, okay, like what would teens want to play? What would kids want to play? What would young girls want to play? What would uh, women want to play? Because uh, oftentimes there's a lot of um, story building that's super exciting and there's a lot of action, but I was thinking, okay, like I am this so how do I kind of put a little edge on that and maybe maybe lean a little lean a little you know that <laughs> absolutely a lot of <laughs> and the shoulder is very important as well this yeah. is where the number begins this is yeah, where the right. Broadway never starts where yeah. you I can you're see it happening adventure writer you're an adventure we need you to write those, that book please it's not good <laughs> <laughs> Based on but, your scar dancing, Greg, I want a scar number from you in the D and D musical. Yeah, yeah. I know. Well, <laughs> your little skanking you were doing. Yeah, I always thought I'm no, not musical at all. I'm a big fan of music, but I don't have any talent. But I could be that guy that dances for the ska band. That's yeah. that's my contribution. And you're just there, like dancing away. I love I'll it. be your hype man for sure. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, what's also really interesting about these two adventures is that they're short, right? They're self-contained. Uh, and that, you know, that's one of the selling points is that you'll be able to, you know, pick them up and play them in a session or two. Um, but that must have been a different approach for you as writers, too, because you can have it's like it's like, you know, uh, short stories are to novels and short films are to longer films. And, you know, a single episode of television versus an entire, you know, series of, mm-hmm. of, of all these things going on. Right. So what was it like kind of curtailing like, all right, I'm going to have a beginning, a middle and an end that may even happen in two hours. Uh, Kelly, I'll go back to you again. Since yeah, I for me personally, I had to think sort of uh, linearly as to um, how how do you tell a satisfying story that can contribute to somebody else's narrative? Because this isn't going to be the only thing that's played. You know, maybe there are world there is a world where someone just wants to pick up a one shot and just run it. You know, for a day or something, or maybe two nights. You know, with friends. Um, But I think that on the flip side, you know, you kind of want to think, how can this, like Mark was talking about, how how can you allow this to be something that's inserted into a story to enrich in uh, a player's experience or DM's world building or to give context to another adventure that they might want to go off and tell themselves or um, maybe help, for example, if somebody, somebody's character is an elf and you want to do like lore work, this is another sort of avenue you can do. It just opens up the doors for deities and backstories and character discovery. Um, it also implements and allows people to level up. It also allows people to uh, fight and perhaps get items and get really, really cool things on their journeys. So you can just use it in a more utilitarian way as well. 
Um, but in terms of writing, you had to think concisely in terms of uh, risk, reward, story, ending, um, adventure, finale. So you kind of had to go through that build and the dichotomy and service it in a concise, like every sentence punching and packing in a, a ton of material so you can kind of sink your teeth into it and play. Yeah, that must have been a real challenge figuring yeah. out what stuff to include and what not to include, <coughs> right? Yeah. Mark? Uh, well, yeah, I my very first draft was 4,000 words over the limit. I, when I first <laughs> wrote it, I, I, I was nearly 50% <laughs> over because there was just so much I wanted to put into it. And I, I think what I ended up doing... <laughs> Kelly's face is amazing. I know. This is the what? difference between... This is the difference between writer who writes for a living and me. Uh, <laughs> where, where I was just like, Bruh! and then eventually I was like, oh no, I've gone well over here. Um, but yeah, w- what I ended up doing, and I think it's it's where my adventure maybe is going to be a little bit different, is it has a beginning. It has like a, a very clear beginning of how you get to the adventure and everything else. But then it, it becomes more of a location. And it, it's the kind of thing where you could play it as a one-shot where everything gets resolved in, in one adventure. And I think the DM can definitely run it that way. But it's also a place that I kind of wrote in a way that maybe players go there. They maybe just explore it, figure it out, go, oh, this is cool, blah, blah, blah. And then maybe they go back there later on. Maybe they go back there in future and maybe, you know, something's changed or maybe they want to go back there and get something that was talked about or maybe they don't quite pick up on all the elements of the mystery and are called back to it when something happens. So it was difficult to pen in a really solid kind of like a very final ending to it. It has an ending. It has ways that the problems can be resolved, but those might not happen in the same session that you go to the location. Or mm. you might stumble into it immediately and then everything kind of like wraps up from there. But it's definitely, it was a big challenge to try and get a full sort of like beginning, middle, end um, into that for me personally. I've, I've done a lot of one shots for streams and, and shows and uh, adventures and things like that and like events and things like that that I've run. And my the hardest thing for me is always containing it to that two hours, three hour session because I'm so used to running long form campaigns. I mean, our High Rollers campaigns were like two years, three years, you know, hundreds of episodes constantly evolving and progressing and things like that. So, you know it was very hard to kind of suddenly come back in and be like, I've got to get everything into this, this one short adventure. So uh, I tried to kind of work around that by making it a place that you don't have to cover in one shot. You could come back to, or it could be part of a longer campaign. It's a cool place to visit with stories attached to it and and stuff that can happen there. I like that. Mm-hmm. I like that. You know, and it's, it, I mean, you keep saying it's a, it's an odd, uh, Adventure because of the day spa setting, but I mean, it combines so much of the things that I think players maybe not admit to themselves that they like, which is going shopping and just having like, you know, those downtime (laughs) role playing sessions uh, can sometimes be the most memorable. And that's a perfect place to insert something like this, even, you know, uh, three or four sessions ahead of time. You're like, oh, yeah, you're walking by the street and you see, you know, this this location. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you're intrigued and you know maybe you can have some some hooks there. Yeah. Th- those are some of my favorite episodes to GM and play in and 
really giving the characters a chance to let their personality show. Because, you know, when you're in the middle of a dungeon or a big epic quest, sometimes it's very easy to focus on that. Whereas I think the downtime stuff, when you're just in a city and you have a couple of days to spare, the players get to make the choices that really showcase who they are. And yeah. I think that this kind of location is going to be the same same kind of deal as well. That's what I'm most excited to see people play it. Uh, do is how their characters all interact with the spa and there's a lot of very interesting NPCs that they can meet there and that's my my favorite thing in D&D is always NPC PC relations and how people talk to characters and how they respond to them it's it's my absolute favorite thing so that was a big big factor for me too nice and of course Candlekeep is a big part of this uh, right with the idea that there is a library that holds all of these books that are the the kind of you know, through line through each one of their adventures. So it's easy to to insert or find out one of these tomes uh, through any type of life. I mean, everybody's got a major repository of, of knowledge somewhere in their world or, or, or should be. If you guys, if you don't have that, you should get on putting that in your, in your game right now. Uh, so yeah, how much of this uh, is, is nostalgic, at least on the library side of thing? I have a, I have a feeling that the two of you were, were pretty bookish growing up. <laughs> oh, call me out, why don't you? <laughs> uh, well, I'm calling myself to no out, for, too. <laughs> I had very few friends, but one of my good friends was the librarian at my local library. <laughs> I wanted best. to be Matilda, so I literally went every single day after school. Um, I was, I'm from a small town again, so I had this little elementary school, and kids just roamed around because it was the 90s and things were different, I guess. Um, Or maybe parents just didn't care and parental supervision was very lax. So um, after elementary school, uh, I would obviously not have any friends to play with. So I would just walk uh, exactly like from the middle elementary school to the high school and right there was the library. So I just spent every single day at the library uh, on end. So I, I love libraries. So the chance to expand on um, that sort of reverence of Candlekeep and maybe the people who went there um, to preserve knowledge or history and have made sure that these books, um, especially the book that I wrote, uh, make sure that it was preserved and safe and and contained and protected and all that good stuff. I love it, obviously. Libraries are great, you guys. They are. I agree. Shout out to libraries. (laughs) We love your libraries. libraries. (laughs) Shelly, do you think it's okay to tell people about our love of libraries? Yeah. I do. Go ahead. This was your idea. Oh. Oh, that one. I'm like, I'm like yeah. God, Greg, why wouldn't we tell Here, people I was, I was bumping this up for you. They're like, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was, it was the volleyball spike. I could that see so, you know, Greg throwing it up. And I was like, Shelly's like, look, look well, at how I'm a ball in the Is air my right mom now. here? Is my mom watching me? Oh, I missed it. Sorry. Um, yes, because we love libraries so much, and we love all of the wonderful authors that were uh, contributing to this book, uh, Candlekeep Mysteries. We are making a very substantial D&D book, uh, board game, card game, resource, donation to a library of your choice um, for all of the contributors. So um, they will, whatever library you choose, they'll know that this is coming on uh, your behalf and that you are a uh, one of the authors in this wonderful uh, newly released D&D book. So hopefully when people are able to visit libraries again, and they'll have that front and center and uh, 
you know, maybe you can even go and, and sign a copy or, or do an event at your library and, you know, just, we just want to be able to like kind of create little candle keeps all over the world. So, um, and lots of little Matildas. Uh, and little Matildas. I know <laughs> knowing dream. that, knowing <laughs> that there's going to be like little Matilda sitting in those libraries every day. And, um, the, the library, of course, is a place where we know lots of people do discover D&D for the first time. So we... Um, yeah, be included. Like, yeah. That's magical. I, I, hopefully wonderful. they can discover D&D there and then they won't spend hours of time after spending hours at the library going home and staring at a glass of milk and trying to make it move <laughs> with their mind into cereal. Can you pour no. some water in here, please, uh, <laughs> Kelly, while, you, while I have a second? Yeah, I was going to say, sounded very, very <laughs> puzzling. <laughs> Come on, it's not working. Back Delicious. to the library you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, but yeah. And then we're excited to be able to do that uh, to one uh, in, in in your home area as well, Mark. I think we were asking about like international. I'm like, yes, we can do it in the UK. Everywhere has libraries. Oh, I'm yes. gonna have the, the problem is I have to pick one of the many places that I, the the I because I've grown up and lived in so many cities, it's gonna be hard to try and pick one now. Uh that's the hardest thing. Oh, are you talking to the girl who picked out eight different tribal reservation <laughs> I mean, libraries? Hey, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Do you see that little note where it's like, can you just yeah, give me no, a priority list of which ones you want me to start with? <laughs> yeah. You just Mark, narrow it down a little bit. And both yeah. of you, luckily we have a randomizing uh, tool in our in our toolbox, so you can create a list, even just 1d3, yeah. and roll. Greg, and see which based on it. my dice rolling for my games, it's not that random. <laughs> <laughs> whatever, the, whatever the highest digits on the dice, when I'm a DM... I only roll high. <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> thing that my players hate is I just never seem to roll below a 10 when I'm DMing. As a player, mm-hmm. own, never above a 10. But as a DM, always 10 or above. <laughs> you got to check the dice you're using. Yeah, it's I think so. I think uh, so. Speaking of DMing. That's why you call the show that. Now I totally get it. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I'm the only high roller in you're the party. You're the high Everybody roller. Everybody else is a low roller. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Makes sense yeah. now. Uh, will you, or maybe you already have, but w- do you think you'll be dungeon mastering your own adventures? Or is that too weird? Or is that cool? What's that like? I mean, I, I certainly will Sorry. be. Uh, I never, no, yeah. I'm looking at you, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was like, I don't know who she's talking to. And Kelly's like, she doesn't look like she's about to say so something. Sorry. So Metiquette implies I will speak. Uh, yay for pandemics um, and Zoom yay. meetings. Um, no, I, I most certainly will be. So I am going to be I'm going to be running it for a fair few people um, publicly as well as privately. Uh, so I'm. It looks like I, they may be doing something with the Pax Australia crew. There may be a little teaser of my adventure coming out um, for some stuff with those guys. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Comic Relief. Um, we're doing this competition that I mentioned earlier. You can win. I'll be DMing it for the prize winner and some friends. Oh, uh, you're going to DM this Warwick adventure. Castle. Yeah, I'm DMing. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to community. figure out a way to enter that contest. <laughs> just have an awesome castle I mean, day in just, the UK. I mean, it's like, an amazing event. Like, do I, I have to... Yeah, I think you do have to you do have to quit your job and move to the UK, Shelly, I'm afraid. And then but, get rehired after yeah. the event. We'll see. Well, okay. you can see. Seems shady. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Shady. But if you ever visit the UK, I do highly recommend Warwick Castle. It's somewhere that as a kid you go to and you're like, this is awesome. It's real D D. Yes. Warwick um, Castle's so cool. I've been there before during my travels. It's gorgeous. Yeah. It's I was gorgeous. there in college. 
I have a I have one funny story about Warwick Castle, which is when Matt Mercer came over, he used to come over for some conventions and I would basically be like his liaison and we, it'd be a chance for us to hang out basically. Um, and he was obsessed with Warwick Castle because they have a real trebuchet there. And he was like, I want to go see the trebuchet. I want to see the trebuchet. So we took him on a train. We took him to Warwick Castle and they do this little tour of the dungeons of Warwick Castle that you can go on. It's kind of like, uh, you know, people are dressed up and they've got mannequins and, you know, all this kind of stuff in there. The mannequins are a little creepy, I got to tell you. I have they are very creepy. Before. Yeah. And one of these mannequins, uh, well, we get into this room. It's this dark tower and they've got these animatronics and mannequins and they're telling us thing. And I'm there kind of like leaning against the wall, just like, nah, it's not even that scary. And then one of these mannequins turns around and comes alive because it was a real person, a oh real woman God. in a costume. And I jumped about 50 feet in the air. I nearly punched Matt in the back of the head uh, because I was just like, ah, and I just kind of swung. Um, and it was a whole mess. Uh, and so that's my fun Warwick Castle story. Well, luckily um, we will be able to include that in uh, Van Richten's Guide to Ravenloft. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> If I, yeah, if, I, if there was any part of Van Richten's guide that I'd write for that, it would 100% be uh, some scary mannequin coming to oh, life yeah. as a real woman and terrifying you. Um, but yeah, so, uh, so yeah, I'll be running the game at that. there was a movie well. about that? Oh, probably. Oh, God. <laughs> and I think ever since then, I've had a real problem with mannequins and, and acting like humans ever since because that mm-hmm. ugh, made my heart jump. Um and yeah, and then also Knights of Evening Star will probably be, I will probably be sending the Knights of Evening Star crew oh, cool. uh, to the Temple of the Restful Lily. So you can come and check that out as well. How about you, Kelly? Yeah, for me right now, I am, I am waiting to do it at an opportune moment. It's kind of special for me personally, where I'm like, oh, this is a big deal. Like I kind of want to share it or share the first time I run it with uh, probably, probably Girls God's Glory, to be honest with you guys, <laughs> or um, ND&D who's the all-native group that I've been playing with um, uh, in my own free time, which has been really lovely. Um, I also might want to save it for like kids and a chance to really uh, run it for some from for some up-and-comers uh, who are really, really excited about it. I just love including uh, women and children in it. So that's sort of my hope is when I first run it, it's going to be sort of like a oh, spiritual experience um, because I will sing. I will add the musical numbers and I oh, can't just go. do that. Yeah. We'll get the angelic be, chorus. I, It'll be perfect. Yeah. Yes. Uh. I'm so excited to run it. And I actually am really excited to hear about other people running it. Like it's, yeah. I'm excited to do it, but I just can't wait to hear how people yes. like what, what people do and the choices they make. And that's where I'm sitting on the edge of my seat right now as the storyteller. I'm like, Ee. big, same, big, 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 same. Oh, that's gotta be exciting. Yeah. I can't wait either. March 16th is when people will get it in their hands. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's two amazing covers. The alt cover, uh, looks fantastic, uh, as well as the standard cover. I love the image of the art. Uh, you know, it kind of looks like my library a little bit here. Uh, <laughs> so I can't wait for more people to uh, jump into your stories, uh, you know, uh, very soon. Gosh, I think, you know, it'll be less than a week away by the time people are listening to this. Yeah, yeah. Crazy. It's going to be amazing. Crazy. Yeah. So well, excited. I can't wait to play everybody else's adventures. That's the other thing. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody I, I, I want to read everybody else's and play through everybody else's as well. That's a big one. There's so many great adventures in there for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you to the both of you for, for contributing, uh, you know, during a hard year like 2020 and working on this as well as, uh, you know, making sure everyone was able to kind of learn about these adventures by talking to us here as well as on all the interviews and things that you're doing. We really appreciate it. And I'm hoping it becomes like an inroads for, 
for more, you know, young people to kind of see how uh, to, you know, get that push to create and make things and, you know, use your imagination uh, all yeah. over the world. So thank you. No problem. Thank, thank you. you guys. Thank you for having us on to talk about it. Well, you said you want to hear guys. you want to hear from people who have run your adventures. So uh, where where can people find you? And I will ask you, Kelly, first. I'm looking <laughs> at you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I can feel it. I can feel it. Uh, like Matilda. Um, so <laughs> uh, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kelly Lynn Dang. K-E-L-L-Y-L-Y-N-N-E-D-A-N-G. And that is my handle. Love it. <laughs> Love it. And what about you, Mark? Uh, people can find me uh, mainly on Twitter. I am an absolute Twitter fiend. Uh, you can find me on there. It's at Sherlock underscore Humes, uh, which is H-U-L-M-E-S. It's Sherlock Holmes, but with a U uh, instead. Um, it's the easiest way to remember it. Or on Instagram, I'm the same username. Um, the other one is you can check out my D&D show, which is High Rollers D&D, which obviously I run, and you can message me on there as much as well and follow that for all of our updates and stuff too. Um, but yeah, Sherlock underscore Humes, pretty much everywhere on the internet. Beautiful. Well, I'm excited. I'm excited for people to discover the mysteries that (laughs) are within. And you both did a very good job about not spoiling what the mysteries were. So I know. Kudos to you. Hard. A real real skill. (laughs) I want people to know what happens. I can't. (laughs) They will soon. Soon. Yeah. Soon. (laughs) I adore (sighs) Kelly Lynn D'Angelo and Mark Humes. They are Oh, Amazing so folks, and it's just so sad we haven't been able to spend any time in person together over the last year. But man, they're right. Yeah. That D&D Live 2022 is going to be off the chain. It's going to be crazy. So is this oh. year's, by the way. But you know, once we get all these folks together to be able to embrace and hug with hopefully less uh, uh, nervousness about that, like it's going to be great. I know. You know what? I'll probably still wear a mask even two years from now. <laughs> I got all these cute masks. Like, what am I going to do with them? I'm Wait for the next pandemic. For Van Richten's guy to Ravenloft to come out, so be, everybody will just be wearing you know creepy masks all the time. Oh, I do find like uh, masquerade party masks very very creepy. Oh, that's creeptastic. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't know if anybody has picked this up, but there is a uh, a mask that has the artwork from the Monster Manual done by Hydro Seventy Four that has the face of the Xanathar on the mask. And I find that creepy. Even when I'm wearing it, I'm like, oh, my God, I got a beholder on my face. And it's like got the eye tentacles and stuff. Mm-hmm. I feel like, uh, you know, you try to smile with your eyes when you see people because you I can't know. smile with your face. And I try to do that when I'm wearing that mask and people are like, no, oh, don't, don't look. turn away. Look away, it's look a away, monster. Monster, monster man. Well, you know, maybe that should give you a little empathy for people who maybe really... Look like Beholders. <laughs> it, it has given me some empathy for Beholder kin. It is true. Yeah. I am now uh, understanding that they're monsters not because of, you know, that they were dreamed by their <sighs> forebears, uh, right. but because of how people have treated them. I, uh, yeah. I can see that. Or at least maybe it is for some individual Beholders out there. I happen to love beholders. I really do. And I don't want to fight them or kill them. I just want to like open maybe like a beholder rescue facility or something that's just like, just <laughs> there's something about like their faces that 
doesn't always read scary to me so much as like, whoa, what did I do? Like they're always just kind of like, oh, why'd you run away, guys? You know, just I'm just right here. Give me a hug. I don't have any arms, but you can hug my mouth. Or an eye stalk. And then they eat you. Yeah. I know. I know. Right. I feel like it's it won't end well for me with that that kind of philosophy of going into a fight with a beholder, but I just think they're cute. I don't think they're cute, but I do like playing them as uh, lovable goons uh, with like a little, like it's like a, I don't know, kind of Joker-esque kind of thing of like making them be a little bit crazy. Yeah. A little bit over the top, eccentric. Yep. Yeah, I could see that. But they're usually, you know, they're happy to go lucky and then they just will bite your head off uh, and or use an eye stock to disintegrate you. But other than that, they're cool. Remember the beholder in our office that sometimes we would sit next to in team meetings? Yeah. He was was just always hanging out on the couch. Bulgy. You guys want to have a meeting? You guys want to order lunch? Is this your new voice? (laughs) (laughs) My beholder voice. There you go. Hey, it's kind of like Barney from the Flintstones. Barney Rubble. Hey, Fred, want to go play some D&D? Was that good? Uh, that, that was my first. Good. That was my first. That was my first try, you guys. You That's are not the voice. Though. Essentially, a vocal talent that has never been able to uh, spread their wings until we not had since this podcast. Matt Mercer intimidated me and shut me down. <laughs> <laughs> just by being um, amazing, right? Like just by just having. Be, when he did his Kermit voice, he was like, I "Oh, I think what you're trying to do is this blah 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 perfection Kermit." Like, oh yeah, that was kind of what I was looking for. That's what I thought I sounded like in my own head. (laughs) (laughs) You did, and everyone else said, too. Sure, sure. It was great. Anyway, long outro means that we had a lot of fun together. Uh, We want you all to tell everyone about Dragon Talk. Spread the word about us spreading the word about Dungeons & Dragons. It's uh, wonderful, and you can get more news and information if you go to DungeonsAndDragons.com. You might notice if you go to uh, WizardsOfTheCoast.com that there is a new uh, corporate website with a whole bunch of new logo everywhere on animations. It looks great. Uh, If you want to work for Wizards, that's a great place to start. Uh, We're always looking for new and exciting and imaginative people um, so yeah, I encourage you to check that website out and apply. If you want to find out what's going on with the next Dungeons & Dragons products though, what's the best way to do that? Perhaps downloading something on your phone? Yeah, I would download Dragon Plus. Yes! An amazing resource, magazine, beautiful covers, amazing features, and uh, so much content that is delivered right to your phone. Again, you don't have to look for us. Don't go out there looking. Just let us come to you. Just subscribe to Dragon Plus. Subscribe to Dragon Talk, and you will know everything there is to know about D&D. And who doesn't want to know everything about D&D? If you don't want to know everything about D&D, then I don't want to know anything about you. I mean, you need to be versed in the D and the D. And also, don't forget, if what Mark told you about his adventure sounds really exciting, you, this weekend, when this podcast airs, it will be this weekend, Virtual Play Weekend, March 12th through the 14th. Try to get in on a table and preview his adventure. We're doing it there. So just go. Nice. You can find out all about that on the website, DungeonsDragons.com, or on our Discord server, Dungeons & Dragons. Lots of great folks to be able to 
answering all of your questions there about jumping into virtual play weekends or just playing Dungeons and Dragons online wherever you can using whatever platform you want and hopefully in whatever language uh, you want as we're including more and more uh, tables uh, during these virtual play weekends that uh, are not in English uh, for those of you who don't use it as your first language. So more information about that on the website. Check it out if you can. All right. I'm Greg Tito. You can follow me at Greg Tito on the Twitter or underscore Tito on Instagram. I'm Shelly Moo on Twitter and Instagram. So come hang out. Come hang Drop out. And again, Say tell hi. everyone about your amazing stuff that you're creating, uh, what it's like to Dungeon Master, these adventures that we're previewing here or in Candle Key Mysteries, if you're listening to this after it comes out. And uh, hang out with us. Do it. Do All it right. right now. Moving on to Drunky Two-Shoes and her adventures with Daryl. You are outside of a tavern in the dock ward of Waterdeep. Yeah. Getting thirsty. You have, I I believe, gone in or decided to go in. And uh, um, Daryl says to the barkeep, "Um, I would like a Arizona iced tea, please. Like an Arizona Long Island iced tea? <laughs> and What's going on? The barkeep uh, kind of looks at uh, both of you as you come in. You know, doesn't he was polishing his uh, his glasses uh, and you know keeping tabs on the few folks that are in there. Um, and uh, when he hears that uh, term, uh, he kind of oh stiffens up straight. Oh, I didn't think. Uh, you cat people were going to be involved in this. What do you mean? What and that, Daryl? What's going on? Uh, I believe that means you need to pass a message on to the organization, correct? And uh, the barkeep responds, "Yeah, that's what it means." Have a seat. You got coin? Yeah. Want a drink? Yes, I'll have a big glass of mead. Mead. What do you think this is? I don't know. Some kind of noble den? What do you got? We've got beer and ale. I'll have beer. Good choice. The Thank ale you. doesn't smell very good right now. Keep them coming. And uh, he, he pours. He's like, let me see that. You got a, a dragon? Is that my ID? What, what do you mean? What are you talking about? It's a gold piece. Do you have a gold piece? What are you, yeah. just out, off the boat? Yes, actually. Figures. And he puts the, the mug in front of you. Uh, and Daryl says, uh, I, I would like a drink as well. It's a very expensive drink, by the way. One glass of beer is a whole gold piece. You like to haggle, don't you? Uh, so yeah, he, pour, he pours both of you a drink, uh, takes your, your gold piece, uh, and he says, I'll, uh, I'll be right back. After he, he kind of leaves and goes to the back room uh, uh, behind the bar, and uh, Daryl says, would you just play it cool? I told you, I, I have to give a code word so that my contact in the organization can come here and meet us. Why, oh, why did you call us cat people? That's rude. It's kind of rude, but have you never experienced that? But not, not so overt to my face. Mm-hmm. Daryl, are we in, is this safe? This guy's on, he's on our side. He's, uh, 
I'm not sure he's on our side, but he's, uh, you know, runs this place that is, I've been told by my superiors, is uh, as a contact area. And when is your, your contact supposed to meet us? That's what we're hopefully going to find out. Um, the barkeep comes back, uh, and, you know, he's kind of a portly dude, uh, you know, not, not very tall, you know, kind of average height. Uh, and uh, he says, all right, I'm not sure when they'll be here, but uh, someone should be coming around. Thank you. you. Better not cause any trouble in here. What? Why would? Why would you think we would cause trouble? Usually, adventurers are are uh, liked here in Waterdeep, but you get a my, lot of. Uh... In my experience, they just cause nothing but trouble. Oh no! I'm sorry that you've had such bad experiences. We're not. We're not like that. We're littermates. No kidding. Yeah. No kidding. <laughs> uh. Uh. You get a lot of Arizona iced tea drinkers in this joint. You know what uh, I mean. Only ones that are uh, involved in the organization. I don't even know what an Arizona iced tea is. Never even heard of Arizona. What a silly name. Sounds elvish. Uh, thanks. Thanks for your help. Beer is delicious. No problem. Again, just don't uh, don't cause any problems. Have your meetings. Uh, spend as much coin as you can. We appreciate your hospitality. A couple of uh, minutes pass. Okay. Here. Yeah, this would be my die roll. Oh, yeah. 20 minutes pass. I rolled a All 20. Right. Um, your beer is not very good. Oh, that's a, that's a letdown. But it is uh, uh, alcoholic. Uh, and uh, since you have been kind of walking and not eating too much, it does kind of go to your head a little bit. What roll? Uh, as does with uh, Daryl's like, oh, I haven't had it alcohol and uh, many moons uh-oh am i gonna be at a disadvantage here no uh no not at all i'm just saying that it, you know you, oh, okay, you feel pleasantly buzzed nobody's come in yet um you see a few people kind of come in and each time you kind of the door the the bell rings or 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 there's a, a, a flurry at the at the door um and then there's a hopeful look from from daryl but then they go past uh and or don't make any inroads to you at all uh but then you see a uh a man who's dressed actually quite richly uh stroll in to the bar uh he's got a green kind of waistcoat velvet uh lots of ruffles um uh roll me a perception check oh a perception check 15 15 okay uh, so yeah, at first glance, it looks very rich, you know, kind of gold threads, uh, a, a hat with a plumage of a, of a ostrich feather in it. Um, but you realize it's a little rough around the edges. Uh, some of the uh, cuff is frayed. Um, it looks like there's some dirt uh, that's on his backside, uh, you know, on the back of his leg or something that he doesn't even know where is there, uh, perhaps after, um, you know, lying in a ditch or something like that. Uh, and he strides right up to you. Uh, uh, more, more actually to Daryl, and he says, "Ah, it's nice to finally make your acquaintance." Name's Mert. Hey, that's where we'll leave it. We'll see what happens there when Mert, the money lender, uh, starts <gasps> speaking to you. I know that guy. Chris Lindsay cosplayed as him. That's right. Yeah, he's a uh, wow. figure in Waterdeep. What has Daryl gotten us into? Hopefully you'll find out next week on Dragon Talk. Dragon Talk. Do your voice.
next week. Next week. Next week. Tune in next week. We'll get the debut of Shelly's new voice that she's been mentioning for the last two months. I know. I got to practice it. I'm out of practice. One I will give you a hint, day. though. It is from Teen Titans. Teen Titans, go! Go!